Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Let's not miss out on that. The people that are hurting right now, like Scott, he was just praying for his friend who was hurting. And if you listen to his words, if we don't miss that, if we listen to what he said, he said, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, church, it's so easy for us to go to church on Sundays. And then we leave and and we miss all the people in our lives that are right in front of our face, right in our circle who are hurting, who are struggling. And they might not say it with their words, but you can see it all over their face. You know, before we get started tonight, I don't know about you, but my favorite team lost again. So I'm, I'm a little hurt. I got, I got somebody clapping. That's, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're the, the other team. And so you and your friends, you know, you're driving here to church. You got the Starbucks and, you know, you're giving cheers like, woo! Charter's lost again, you know, but, you know, that's whatever. Yes. So uh, let's, let's, let's pray and let, let's get our heart right tonight before we get into God's word. Amen. Amen. Dear God, Lord, I love you. I praise your name and I thank you for all that you've done in my life. And I thank you for all that you've done in the people's lives who are sitting here with me tonight. Lord, I pray that in the message that we hear your message from your word, Father God. Lord, help us get our hearts right. Help us stop going through the rituals of our life. Help us focus on what really matters. And that's loving you and loving the people that you created. Lord, speak through me tonight and open up the hearts to what you want them to receive like you did for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to open up the book of Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. Uh, Book of Mark, chapter 7. We're going to go through verse 1 through 23 tonight. Kind of see what God has in store for us. I don't know you, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry for the word tonight. Had a hard week. Maybe some of you guys have been going through the same thing, having a hard week. And so if you're hungry for the word too, um, like a wise man once said, let's set the table, see what we're going to eat. So the, the, the setting here is a town called Galilee. And it was in Israel, north of Jerusalem. And there was this amazing Savior named Jesus who was just doing miracle after miracle. And everybody knows about it. Not only just the the religious leaders of the time, but so to the Gentiles and the farmers. And even King Herod himself knows about this guy called Jesus. Jesus. 
And so the Pharisees and scribes, which give you a little, little background history, these Pharisees and scribes were, were people who knew the law of God, the Torah. That's what they had. And the scribes was kind of like a lawyer, but not like today. But they knew the law so well. And just like, I don't know if you guys ever had somebody in your life who when they saw you do something wrong, they loved to point it out. That was them. And the Pharisees, well, they started, you guys know the part of the Bible from the last chapter of Malachi in the Old Testament to the first chapter in Matthew in the New Testament. There's like this, this, this silent period, like about three, 400 years. That's how the Pharisees started. And what their job was, was to preserve Judaism from all the worldly and Gentile powers that try to influence them. And so they hear about this guy named Jesus and he's shaking the world. Everybody's talking about him, the Jewish people, the Gentiles, and the fact that he claims that he serves the same God and, and is pointing people that way. They got to find out why is he so popular? So they go and they want to ask him some questions. So we get there in chapter seven, verse one. It says, now when the Pharisees gather to him, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. So they're looking for something anyways. And now they found something, something specific that they could point out and be like, look, hey, these guys ain't really following God. They're, they're breaking the law. Because they wanted to discredit Jesus. Why did they want to discredit Jesus? Because Jesus was getting all this popularity, this fame. He was grabbing more and more authority. And they felt like it was being taken from them. And so verse 3 through 4 says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly. Everybody say properly. properly. Holding to the tradition of the elders, or you could say the tradition of man. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of the cups, the pots, the copper vessels, and the dining couches, or some translations say furniture. Now you gotta notice, why is this part of the Bible in parentheses? That made me think the same thing. Why is that part in the Bible in parentheses? Mark had to make a separate note. He was explaining to them Jewish traditions, which kind of lets us know that, okay, his audience was probably not Jewish. Because if they were Jewish, they would already know the Jewish traditions, right? Like Amanda. Amanda is an actress, okay? And she helps uh, direct plays and all that stuff. I don't have to tell Amanda where her day-to-day -day operations are at her job. Why? Because she already does it. But if I had to explain to Scott what Amanda's position is and what she does, I got to break it all down. So he's, he's breaking it down, which these Roman uh, Christians, these Roman Gentiles. But this is the catch. These Pharisees, they were pointing out that they're breaking the Mosaic law. So we think, okay, yeah, they're, they're breaking the law. The point was they weren't. 
They were not breaking the moral law. These were human traditions. It was not God's law. These were human traditions that they're trying to point out. And these human traditions came from generation to generation to generation. The Torah, which was God's law, which was a requirement, was something that they were supposed to fulfill. But these these oral traditions, which later on actually got put uh, into paper, into a written form called the Mishnah in 200 AD, but in Jesus' time, it was oral traditions. If the law was what they had to do, the oral traditions was how to interpret it. But they were missing the mark. They were getting it all wrong. They were trying to look at God's word and they were looking at it and they're like, okay, this is what you do. So they're adding on all these extra things. And the fact was, the more and more the Pharisees got power, the more and more they felt their words got power, the more and more they felt like their word was equal or above God's law. Now, if any of you guys have ever took a church history class, you might have heard of something called the Reformation. We've been through this before. It keeps on happening. The Catholic Church, forgive me, I'm going to tread lightly if you got background in Catholic, okay? But the Pope started getting so much power that they decreed whatever the Pope said was equal to Scripture. And that's where everything got messed up. And so that's what's happening in Jesus' day. And Jesus, he's sitting there looking at him like, how are you going to interpret my law better than I can? So these disciples, they're trying to get in trouble for not washing their hands. Wait, 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 wait. Their hands weren't dirty. Their hands weren't dirty. Why are they getting in trouble for not washing their hands and eating for their hands aren't dirty? It wasn't a hygiene. It wasn't about hygiene. Now you would, I mean, all of us could agree, probably even the disciples, you should wash your hands if they're dirty before you eat. It's unsanitary, especially now we're in COVID and stuff. Everybody's wash your hands, wash your hands. We're making songs about it and everything. But if your hands are clean, why do you have to wash your hands? These were some of the extra rules that the Pharisees were making up, piling on people and piling on people. It was more like a ceremonial thing, things that they thought for purification. And what it did was they felt like it separated them from everybody else. Like they were better. They were cleaner. Verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribe asked him, they asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of elders, but eat with defiled hands? They're questioning Jesus. Why? Because the disciples are doing something wrong. You got to question the teacher because it's the teacher's responsibility, just like our kids, right? Hey, I have a daughter named Grace. She's bad. Okay. My daughter's bad. Okay. If she's running around crazy and not doing what she's told, people can be like, oh, it's his fault. It's his parenting. He needs to step it up. But if all of a sudden she starts speaking complete sentences and starts adding five plus five equals 10, you're going to be like, oh, she's so smart. What am I? Yeah. Probably is. So they questioned Jesus, and now Jesus, every time, matter of fact, let me point this as a side note, every time in the Bible where somebody, one of the Pharisees or somebody, this ain't the first time this happened, they always try to question, they always try to accuse him of something. Jesus always had the perfect response. This is how he responds. And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? <laughs> Call him a hypocrite, okay? A hypocrite is like a play actor. 
is somebody who's pretending to be someone that they're not. Now, this is a powerful statement, okay? Knowing who you're speaking to, he calls them a hypocrite. Basically, it's the people that wear a mask. Not you guys. (laughs) But people that wear a mask, but don't reveal who they truly are. And that's that's what they're doing. They're, They're portraying like there's these religious, holy people, but deep down inside in their heart, they're so far from it. So he quotes Isaiah 7, or uh, in chapter 6, 7 says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching and the doctrines and commandments of men. It seemed like Isaiah experienced hypocrites in his time too. People acted like they were holy, but inside, you know, they put on this, this big elaborate portrayal Inside, they were rotten. Inside, they were jacked up and they were a mess. They were worshiping God for all the wrong reasons. Can we do that sometimes? Can we as a church worship God for all the wrong reasons? Maybe it's something we really want from God. Maybe it's just because we feel like we have to, like this is something we've always done. We've always gone to church. So we got to go to church tonight. Where is our heart right now as we're sitting in this church? Are we here to hear God's word and his message? I just want more of you, God. I really want this relationship. Or is Sunday service just a a ritual that we do? And he says to him, basically that they're not motivated by love. You know, sometimes I myself have acted like a hypocrite. Sometimes I think we all have at one point in our Christian walk. You know, there's a pastor, uh, he's a Southern Baptist pastor now. His name is Pastor Greg Laurie. You guys might have heard of him before. He does these big, huge harvest crusades and thousands of people get saved. He said a quote one time that just blew my mind, but it was so real. And then it just shut me up. He said, there's two reasons why a person does not become a Christian. The first reason is they never met one. They never heard the gospel. The second reason why a person doesn't become a Christian is because they have met one. So as Jesus tells them, and you're rejecting them, saying you're rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your own human traditions. Can you imagine, like, if you know the context, if you were actually right there in the group, where Jesus is talking to these religious leaders. If some of you guys come from a Catholic background, I'm talking about they're talking to the Cardinal and the Pope and they're, this guy is talking to them like that. You'd be like one of those people on those Facebook feeds, they in the popcorn like, ooh, what's he gonna say next? I mean, it's just, it's just drama and it was exciting. Like somebody was actually standing up to these guys. Verse 10 says, this is where Jesus is talking to him. He's now, you know, he, he gave him a general allegation. 
Now he's about to get specific. He's about to point to him because he knows the crowd is listening. So now he's going to say, you know what? I'm going to show you exactly what you're doing wrong. Let me just be clear to you. He says in verse 10, For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother surely must die. Now, the reason why he's given an example of the fifth commandment was to give a specific charge. The first half comes from Exodus 20. The second half comes from Deuteronomy, the consequence. And nobody in ancient Israel ever denied the seriousness of honor your mother or father. But now he's going to show them how he's using these human traditions to get away with not doing God's actual word. And he continues, says, verse 11, but you say, everybody say, but you say. Those three words make a clear separation, a clear division from when he said, from Moses said, and but you say. See, from Moses said, he's quoting the word of God. And now he's saying, but you say. So he's saying what you're saying and what the word of God is saying is two totally different things. And they're contradicting each other. He's pointing something out that they obviously could not see themselves. And some of us, maybe we can't see that. We're living our lives. We think what we're doing is okay because we justify it in our own head. But it's totally contradicting what God's word says. But sometimes we just don't see it. And so we say to him, but you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin that is given to God. Now, now Corbin means a gift or offering. So it says honor your mother or father, right? And when your, your mother or your father gets old, it, it's actually our job as a Christian to help them. Not just spiritually, but physically too. And he's saying, this, this money that I would normally give to you, I'm going to do Corbin. I'm going to offer it to God. Which, by the way, the Pharisees would have received the benefits of that anyway. So it was a little selfish. But how are you going to say anything about that? I'm giving it to God. How is somebody going to argue with that? Oh, but no, don't, don't give it to God. You got to give it to me, right? It's like sometimes when you're talking to your friend about a bad decision they're about to make. And then they cancel everything by saying, oh, God told me. And you look at them like, God didn't tell you that. <laughs> but you can't say no more. But this tradition that they made was actually leading and causing depravity of the heart. They were opposing the law of Moses because they were failing to care for the weak and the helpless, which was the whole heart behind the law. They were missing it. They were missing it. It was like if you were trying to shoot a free throw and get the perfect shot. They were missing it like throwing it all the way the opposite direction behind them. That's how much they were missing the mark by. And I think sometimes we can miss the mark too. I think sometimes we can miss the heart of what really matters in what we do. Because the heart is not just about the organ that goes, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions behind the ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. When we're serving in an outreach and we're giving to people, what's the heart behind what we're doing? When we're loving our neighbor and we're passing out the food to somebody, 
What's the heart behind what we're doing? When we go to church, what's the heart behind what we're doing? So my question to you, church, is where are you at right now today? Where are you at? You know, sometimes I have to check myself to make sure I'm not going through the motions. To make sure I always remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why I love doing what I'm doing. Because it's easy to get caught up and miss the mark. Verse 17, or 14, excuse me. And he called the people to him again and said to them. Now we're we're making the transition of, of, of this passage. See, first he's talking to his disciples and the Pharisees come. After he's explained this to the Pharisees, now he noticed that everybody's listening. He's bringing everybody in to listen to this too. He wants everybody to hear what he has to say. And he says in, in verse 14, and he says, again, he said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person that will defile him. I don't know if you're looking at your Bible and you see there's missing a verse 16, or excuse me, missing a a verse, um, yeah, 16. Some translations will say, for those who have ears, let them hear. But in verse 17, he's showing that no matter what you bring in, washing your hands or not, even if your hands were to be dirty, the exterior doesn't matter. It's the heart that matters because the food penetrates the stomach, but it doesn't penetrate the heart. It's out of the heart that comes sin, not out of our stomachs. Unless some of y'all ate some wrong food and then, then it could be. But it's out of our hearts. Verse 17. Now he's going to the disciples. And when he entered the house, a lot of people, scholars think that it was Peter's house. And he went to the house, he left the people and his disciples. Now he's just with his disciples, okay? He left everybody else. He left the Pharisees. He's done with them. He proved his point. He shared with the people. Now he's with his crew. This is his crew. These are the disciples and and he's with them. And his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you with, without understanding? It's important to see, because these disciples, they were gradual learners. They didn't figure things out the first day that they were with Jesus. Okay, They didn't have it all figured out. They weren't theologically correct. Matter of fact, a lot of them didn't even believe that Jesus was who he was when they first met him. There was doubt. And a lot of times when Jesus would walk with them and teach with them, they didn't get it right away. It kind of sounds like us a little bit, right? I know I didn't get it right away. I know there was a lot of things people were showing me and showing me the word. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I struggled with it. I didn't understand it. But then somebody had to pull me aside and really show me it. And then all of a sudden, one moment I had the aha moment. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Verse 19, 
or finish 18, it says, do you not see that whatever goes in a person from the outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Okay, so, you know, we're at Sunday service. So uh, if any of you guys don't know what the word expelled means, okay, what Jesus is talking about, ask me after church and I'll break it all down for you, okay? But here's something, he declares this, and remember, we got the parentheses. It's always important to notice things in the Bible. It's not just miss it or go over it, but actually look at it. Thus, he declared that all foods are clean. Now, this is, I'm, 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 I'm taking you on a little trip right now. It's going to blow your mind, okay? So, Mark, who, who written this gospel, his spiritual father was Peter. So, most people believe that Peter has such a profound influence on Mark that a lot of Mark's gospel came from Peter. And if any of you have ever read the book of Acts in chapter 10, you will remember a story about Peter getting caught in a trance and how in this vision, he was on like this tent or sheet and he was being brought up by animals and being told that all food was clean. Now, that incident happened before Mark had written this gospel. So imagine Mark as he's reading this and listening to Jesus and then all of a sudden his mind is blown. He said it right here. He said it all alone. Along. For all the all the fellas who got a girlfriend or wife this is like that time your girlfriend or wife told you something a long time ago and you were like yeah, yeah 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 but later on you find out the whole time that it was true and you're like oh and they're like yeah I told you that why didn't you listen to me a long time ago that's one of those moments if my wife was here she'd be like amen every day and verse 21 continues he saw for from within out of our heart of man comes evil thoughts. And so what he's going to do is he's going to name 13 things, 13 moral problems that come from our heart. And the first seven that he's going to show for us are in the plural sense. And what they are is they're repeated acts. And the second six, the last six, are singular, but they're attitudes. So the first seven are acts. Everybody say acts. The last six are attitudes. Everybody say attitudes. And it says, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit. And then it continues on with sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And then last, it says, Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You see, our evil actions can start with just one thought. And as that thought is birthed, like it says in James, that seed has been hatched. 
And the more we think about it, the more we go to it, the more it grows, the more it grows until it comes in a full-blown sin and all sin leads to what? Death. Death. So we have to be careful not to be so caught up in the outside things, in the outside appearance, in what we're doing. We have to be more careful and guard what's in our heart. Our heart towards God, our heart towards people. Where is our heart tonight? You see, the law that they were trying to correct, or they thought they were, which they weren't, was, if you will, like a guardian until the perfect comes, and that was Jesus. And then Jesus, having fulfilled the law, gave us a new law. It was the royal law. It was the law of love, where he summed up all the law and all the commandments and everything into two things, and that was the summary. That was the heart behind everything, not to show this law and all these rules that we have to do, which we'll never, ever be able to accomplish not to be able to make up 300 plus extra traditions that we have to follow. It has nothing to do with God's law, but if we don't, people are going to look down on us. But just to love God and love people. Everything else is summarized in those two things. If we do those two things, everything within our life would change. Our attitudes would change. Our relationships would change. Our communities would change. But sometimes we just get caught up in the motions. Sometimes we really think that we're fooling people because we wake up in the morning and we put on some makeup. Sometimes we think we're fooling people because we go out and buy a brand new suit. Sometimes we think we're fooling people because the outside, the outside appearance, everything looks like there's nothing wrong. But inside, we're all messed up. I don't know how many times we've said hello at greeting time and said, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed by the best. We put on this outside appearance, these rituals. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to put on this mask. I'm going to go there and, and nobody's going to see nothing wrong. And eventually it's going to get all right. But inside we're all jacked up and nothing's getting better because we're not getting to the heart of the matter. You know, when I was 17 years old, I was in a, a homeless teen shelter called The Storefront. I was actually in a few of them. One of them, Pastor Brandt, worked at when I was there. And, and I was there, and they kicked me out for the third time for doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I was 17. I was on my own. And so I started doing stuff that I wasn't supposed to be doing to earn a living. And I went and got a room at this place called the Pickwick. Now, I don't know if you guys remember what the Pickwick is. Some of you guys might know what I'm talking about. But the Pickwick was this old motel Matter of fact, it's the picture of it right here. The Pickwick was this old motel, this brick motel that was on 2nd and Broadway in downtown San Diego. It was right above the old Greyhound station. 
and it was full of traffic. And what I mean by traffic is the outside, see the outside building, it's just a brick building inside. You had everything going on. You had drug sales, you had prostitution, you had cockroaches everywhere. I mean, it was a mess. Domestic violence, hurt, pain, everything. The inside was jacked up. You know, since then, it's been many years since then. I was 17 and I'm super old now. But since then, they now have a a four-star hotel there. Yeah, it's a four-star hotel. It's called the Sophia because it's very sophisticated. It's called the Sophia, right? Okay, now I'm going to show you what that, what that one looks like. Okay, you guys ready? You guys ready, church? Yeah. Are you guys ready, church? Yeah. All right, you ready? Here we go. Oh, wait. It's the same building on the outside. It looks exactly the same, doesn't it? It's that old brick building. Because the people knew who were taking over smart. They could redo all the outside of it, put the makeup on it, make it look real good from the outside. But no matter how good you look on the outside, no matter how good you portray it to be, if the inside is still jacked up, the outside ain't going to, nothing else is going to change. But, No matter what you change on the outside, if you get down to the heart of the matter, if you look at the roots of what's really going on the inside and we start dealing as a church with our own problems, our own sin, our depression, our anger, our addictions, and we start doing that with the community and start looking at the hurt like Scott's friend who said, I can't do it anymore. If we don't miss that and we start looking at the heart and start fixing this stuff, if we fix the inside, it's a whole new everything. But church, it seems like we're just going through the motions. Sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel through the motions. You know, I'll close it with this, with a little illustration, and hopefully you'll be able to get my point. I threw this away so I don't have it. My wife, she wasted some money. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that. She shops for stuff and then doesn't use it. And it sits in the garage for years until I throw it away. But my wife, she bought this, like, I don't know, a unicycle exercise bike. And, and what you do is you sit on it. And you just go like this, you pedal. You go through the motions. But the problem is, you're really not going anywhere. And sometimes I feel like our Christian walk could be like that. We're just going through the external motions and we're going and we're peddling and we're trying to work harder and harder and harder to show that our outside is okay. We're going through the routines. We're making sure we wash our hands. But we're not going anywhere because we're doing it the wrong way. So church tonight, this is what the invite's going to be. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you, hey, if you're just tired of going through the motions, let's ask God for a change of heart. Let's ask God not to wash our hands. Let's ask him to purify and wash our heart tonight. 
That way our eyes can be opened to Scott's friend. That's why our eyes can be opened to our coworker who's in a miserable relationship and he doesn't know Jesus. He's not sure if he wants to live anymore. Let our eyes be opened to the homeless person that we just walk by and just look at and don't pay any attention to. Let our eyes be open to each other. That's our brother and sister in Christ, not the stranger that sits two rows from you every Sunday. Let's all get to the heart of what really matters. And I'm going to encourage you as we pray and, and, and afterwards, after, you know, when we take communion to really, 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 let's do a, a recheck on our heart. And when we worship, if your heart ain't right, if you've had a hard week, if you're struggling right now for any reason at all, let's make it count this time. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear Father God, Lord, I, Lord, forgive me for my heart. Forgive me when my heart is jacked up and, and for the times that I just go through the motions. Lord, I love you and sometimes I don't show it the way I'm supposed to. Lord, sometimes I don't love people like I'm supposed to. Father God, please forgive me for my sins. I love you, God. Please forgive me. And give us a new heart, a washed heart like you promised in your covenant. Lord, tonight we say we love you and we mean it. Show us the way and let us follow with the right heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.